Chapter Twenty Three of As in a Mirror by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Three: The Naked Truth. Among those who were counted as outsiders, the most astonished and certainly the most disturbed person over the news of the recovered will was John Stewart notwithstanding the fact that both rex and nanny seemed eager to have the news spread as far and as fast as possible it happened that john who had been sent ten miles into the country on business connected with the farm did not hear of it until that evening when he brought hildreth from the station she had been in town doing errands for her father and john as soon as he reached home had been sent to meet her at the train she began by eager questions. Had he seen Mr. Hartwell that afternoon? She had expected him to be on the train, but he must have taken an earlier one. Did he know whether Mr. Hartwell waited for the lawyer? John had not seen Mr. Hartwell, nor heard of a lawyer, and his face expressed so much surprise that she was constrained to ask if he had not heard the news. "'I remember that you have been away today,' she said with a smile." but our little neighborhood is in such a ferment that i did not suppose you could be at home for fifteen minutes without hearing something about the recent excitement but i forget that you do not belong to this neighborhood perhaps you did not hear anything about the second will that squire hartwell made he had heard people talk about a second will that had been lost and from all accounts he had thought it a very good thing that it was it certainly seemed so to us, Hildreth said with a little sigh. But now that it is found again, I suppose we must change our opinions and at least hope that good will result. What? said John Stewart, and he reined in his horses with such suddenness that they resented it nervously. Miss Elliot, you cannot mean that that ridiculous will has been found. Hildreth was unreasonable enough to be a trifle annoyed at his exceeding interest. Why should it be a matter of deep importance to him? This was carrying curiosity to the verge of impudence. She replied with cold caution. The will had been found, she believed. Miss Marvin herself had discovered it and had notified Mr. Hartwell. When did this happen, Miss Elliot? Are you sure that the paper has already passed into the lawyer's hands? There was no mistaking John Stewart's interest, even eagerness and anxiety. Hildreth was more and more annoyed. Probably it has, she said with exceeding coldness. Mr. Hartwell was not the sort of man to delay when he had important matters to look after. He had gone into town on the same train with herself for the purpose. She had no doubt but that it was attended to by this time why did john care to know but for once john stuart was not even aware of miss elliot's coldness and evident annoyance he was still eager and anxious but you spoke of his waiting for the lawyer may he not possibly have failed in seeing him excuse me but it is important for me to know the facts i cannot imagine why judge barnard was not at home early in the afternoon i met him at the west end of the city but i presume he returned in time for mr hartwell to see him whether he did or not does not concern even me and it is impossible for me to conceive 
why it should in the remotest degree interest you it is because i will not permit any such absurdity and i might possibly be able to avoid this offensive publicity he had forgotten himself entirely and for the moment had spoken the very thought of john stuart king in that person's voice and manner he was recalled to his second self by feeling rather than seeing hildreth elliot's stare of unbounded astonishment mingled with a little touch of terror could the man who was driving her father's horses have suddenly become insane how else could such remarkable words be accounted for instantly he knew that he had blundered irreparably but he was excited and annoyed what of it he asked himself recklessly she will have to know the truth very soon that ridiculous will has spoiled everything yet what was the truth or rather what portion of it must she know at once and what must yet be concealed he thought rapidly and spoke again without any very perceptible delay i beg your pardon miss elliot i was very much excited and forgot to whom i was speaking i have reasons for being interested in this will when you hear them i think you will admit that the reasons are sufficient if i may see you alone this evening for a few minutes i can explain i do not wish any explanation she said with grave dignity i of course have nothing to do with your views of this subject unless you mean that there is something which you ought to tell me that last was an afterthought pressed into words by her conscience ought she to turn away from a man who perhaps needed to follow out his sudden impulse to tell something that he had concealed he felt her exceeding coldness and evident shrinking from an interview with him but his reckless mood continued she should see him and talk with him once there is something that i think i ought to tell you he said speaking with quite as much dignity as she had used very well i shall be in the sitting-room to-night after seven o'clock and i do not know of anything that will prevent your seeing me alone for a few minutes if that amount of caution is necessary the woodhouse chamber had the company of a very much disturbed man that evening as soon as his horses were cared for he went directly thither and locked himself in he touched a match to the carefully laid fire in the small franklin stove which farmer elliot had himself suggested that he set up for his comfort then sat back and stared gloomily at it feeling as though comfort was something that had gone out of his life when he laid the fire in the morning he had looked forward to a long evening spent in this quiet retreat an evening that should do much to further the interests of reuben and hannah those creatures of his brain whose daily living he had the privilege of fashioning and directing now he felt that he wanted none of them that he hated them both and would perhaps with the next stroke of his pen put them both out of existence what was the use in playing with fiction when real life stalked before him in such dreary shape what had he done by a few reckless words made it impossible for this part which he had been playing to be acted any longer and therefore made it impossible for him to see again the one for whom he had long been playing it for this one time he let the truth appear to him unrebuked 
it was for hildreth elliot's sake that he had carried on this deception week after week and month after month it was not because he was studying human nature in a new guise nor because he wanted to try the effect of plain living and very regular hours nor because he was sleeping so well and had such a fine appetite that he did not want to break the conditions hurriedly it was not even because he took to heart the unkindness of depriving farmer elliot of his valuable services at a time when he most needed them all these things would do to say on occasions when his conscience would admit them to-night it demanded straightforwardness he was lingering here that he might sit opposite to hildreth elliot at table and watch her expressive face and hear her voice that he might carry wood and water for her and replenish her fire and close the shutters and draw the shades by her direction that he might drive her to the station to the schoolhouse to church that he might in short avail himself of the hundred opportunities there were daily of being in her presence this was naked truth and all these things were possible only because he was her father's hired man given that other truth which he had himself offered to explain to her and instinctively he felt that for the time at least he could not hope for her friendship could he ever hope for it as he answered this question to his conscience the blood mounted and spread itself over his face until his very forehead was red and it was not caused by the glow of the firelight was it possible that john stuart king had put himself into a position of which he was ashamed what did he want of hildreth elliot's friendship suppose she were willing to laugh with him over the part he had played admire his cleverness approve his motives and agree that they should be good friends and comrades hereafter would he be satisfied it humiliated him to realize how far removed from satisfaction his feeling would be what then did he expect oh expect he kicked an unoffending stick of wood at his feet as he told it angrily that one who had made an utter fool of himself had no right to expect anything suppose he had a chance to tell her every detail of the truth should he do it what would she think of elizabeth and then he drew himself up sharply he was insulting her by intruding elizabeth into the interview nay was he not even insulting elizabeth the important point was what did he think of her if there were directions in which john stuart king was not strong he certainly was not a weak man his friends were in the habit of attributing to him unusual strength of character and while they may have mistaken a certain form of obstinacy for strength as is often done where people are not very intimate and while it must be admitted that certain of his doings indicated the absence of that which we really mean or ought to mean by strength of character still the word weak would certainly not apply to him and i think any one who understands his own nature which is a deeper thing than to suppose that he understands human nature would have pitied john stuart king that night as the extent of his moral degradation slowly revealed itself to him he was engaged to be married to one woman and every fibre of his being was a throb with the thought of another 
he had permitted himself to linger in this place of temptation long after he had admitted to his heart that he was tempted he had put the thought aside laughed at his conscience or rather placed a stern seal of silence upon it and deliberately yes that was the proper word deliberately yielded to the desire to be near to hildreth elliot and hear her voice and watch her movements studying her for a character in fiction indeed it was long since he had allowed that thought to have any lodgment with him studying her or rather holding her as a character that had entered into his life and must forever whatever else happened be a part of himself she was too sacred for fiction his kind of fiction and he felt the glow on his face deepen as he recalled certain words of hers he had been driving them from the station rex hartwell and nanny marvin and hildreth and they had been discussing his work stuart king's as it had appeared in a current number of a popular magazine hildreth was sitting beside him with her face slightly turned toward those in the back seat and every line of it visible to him i don't think i like him she had said not wholly oh he has undoubted talent i think he will be recognized as one whom we call a great writer perhaps he deserves the name better than most of them they are all disappointing in what sense does he disappoint you rex hartwell had asked and john stuart had blessed him for it it was the very question he desired to ask why he ignores they all do the greatest thing in the world she had replied with a slight laugh and those subtle quotation marks in her voice which a cultured talker knows how to use in his great character his reuben that one can see he desires to have great one is sensibly reminded of his omissions for all that the story indicates he might have been born and reared among a class of beings who have no religion if there were any such so utterly does he ignore it a great fact in the world swaying lives more or less all about us swaying more lives than any other single idea ever has claiming to have to do not only with this little inch of life but with an endless eternity is it being great to write a history of any life and leave out all reference to it how distinctly he remembered every word of her clear-cut sentences they had cut deeply probably he has no religion rex hartwell had replied and therefore cannot be expected to produce any in fiction then ought he to profess to describe life hildreth had asked do you believe that in our present civilization there is any life or at least any with which ordinary fiction deals that is not distinctly affected by what we call religion the talk had drifted away after that from definite authors into a general discussion of fiction and its legitimate realm john stuart had listened closely with a degree of interest that would have amazed the talkers and had carried home some sword thrusts to consider he had worked away into the night over his chief characters reuben and hannah trying to reconstruct their lives on a basis that he felt might interest hildreth and had failed he could do nothing with them like many another writer of fiction he learned that they were not the plastic clay in his hand to be moulded as he would 
he had created them but they had wills of their own and would insist upon carrying out their own ideas of destiny no it was more humiliating than that he had failed in creating them they were not like the great creator's work made in god's image he had brought them thus far dwarfed and misshapen and they refused to be recreated he remembered vividly his experience and his disappointment on this evening when he told himself that such a life as hildreth elliot's was too sacred for his kind of fiction must he descend yet lower in the moral scale and admit that he could not even retain hildreth elliot as a friend he sat long staring into the glowing fire sat until it grew disheartened and died out and a chill began to creep over the room he utterly ignored susan appleby's repeated calls to come that minute if he wanted any supper at all to sit down opposite hildreth elliot just then and try to eat he felt sure would choke him just what was he to say to her in that interview for which he had asked why had he been such a fool yet what else could he have done if that intolerable will that ought never to have been made could have stayed hidden he might have planned his way out less painfully than this but at all hazards he must put a stop to that folly he sprang up at last with a sudden realization of the fact that it was nearly seven o'clock he must make ready for that interview and the making ready required time in an obscure corner of the woodhouse chamber stood a trunk that he had himself brought from the express office but a few days before it had been sent for under the vague impression that there might come a crisis in his life before long that would demand an appeal to his resources he strode over to it and unlocked it fletcher and his city tailor had done his bidding and all the belongings of a gentleman's dress were presently being tossed about the room whose whitewashed walls seemed to stare in blank astonishment when he was dressed completely even to the fine handkerchief with its faintest possible suggestion of the breath of violets an accompaniment that was associated with a certain tender memory of his childhood and to which he always clung he looked in his twelve-inch mirror and laughed a short dry laugh that had no touch of pleasure in it what a humiliating thing it was that there should be such a transformation by the aid of mere clothes End of chapter twenty three